What is up, ASM? My name is Mitchell. I am so glad to be back with you today. Uh, here we are going into uh, chapter 14 of the book of John. Uh, but before we do that, I'm going to pray for us real quick, and then we're going to get started. God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you that we are able to, uh, over and over again, just continue to take a deep dive into the gospel of Jesus' life. Lord, I thank you so much for uh, every single person watching. I thank you for uh, just this gift that we have of uh, this way of communicating. Lord, I pray that you will speak through me in this time and that you will open all of our hearts and minds as we listen. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So as I said, we are in John chapter 14. And if you don't know what that means, it means we are in the 14th chapter of a book called John, written by that same guy named John. And it's a book about the life of Jesus Christ and his time on earth from when he was uh, starting his mission to the time that he ascends into heaven. Uh, John is a little bit different from the other books in the Bible or the other gospels in the Bible in that he spends so much time looking at the week leading up to Jesus's crucifixion, resurrection, and then ascension later on. Uh, But he is spending so much time that we're actually going to be looking at just this week for the entire summer. But today, we are going through a group discussion that happens at the very end of Jesus' last dinner with his 12 disciples. Some might even call it the Last Supper. They just had dessert. They're probably all stuffed from bitter herbs and roasted egg and salt water, all the amazing Passover food items. But here, Jesus is teaching his disciples in this discussion. But he's also introducing them to a new idea, a new idea of someone called the Advocate. But before we get there, we're going to realize why Jesus is telling the disciples about this Advocate. So let's open up to John chapter 14 and take a look at the context. They're here at the dinner table. The disciples are a bit concerned about all these things that Jesus has just said. If you want to get more information, you can look at John 13 and John 12 about kind of the weird dinner experience they've just had. He just washed their feet. He's speaking about a guy who's going to betray him. He just called wine his blood and bread his body. The disciples are a little weirded out. So Jesus starts us off by saying in verse 1, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, but also believe in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? I don't know if you've ever done a corn maze before, but they can be super tough. This year, because of COVID, a lot of corn mazes did one-direction corn mazes, which, if you can think logically about that, it is a walk through corn. It's not a maze. You can't get stuck. You just walk around some corners for a half an hour. But maybe you've done it another year, a non-COVID year. You might have come with us to corn maze with middle school, and you, you know that it is really tough. It can be frustrating. It can be really discouraging at times because it's a big maze. You, it's hard to get out. But oftentimes you will have this map that can help you get through. And I 
honestly cannot boil down this passage any more than this. Jesus somewhat assimilates this to a maze and says, do not be afraid of me leaving. I'm going to go to the end of this corn maze to get it ready for you, and you can come too. But you already know the way. You don't, you don't need a map. And Thomas rightfully says, we don't know how to get through the maze. We don't have a map. We don't know the way. So Jesus responds to this tricky response and, and saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Hopefully that's able to reframe how you might have think how you might think of one of the most popular and most common said Bible verses. It's popular for a reason, but we sometimes hear it so much that it can become monotonous and it just becomes white noise. But if we go back to the passage, the disciples are scared. Jesus just said, Don't be scared, I am with you. And then the disciples connect some dots. If Jesus is going to show them the way, then why is he leaving? How are they going to get the way from Jesus if he's not there to give them the way? Well, crazy enough, Jesus also has an answer for that. He says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. So here's the introduction of the advocate. We're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about who this is. People have talked about this advocate since Jesus first made this comment, and I don't think people will ever stop talking about this advocate. And if now, if by now you have not been able to figure it out, this advocate is the Holy Spirit. Crazy, right? And with that information, I can now reveal the big idea. Followers of Jesus see and know the Holy Spirit. And this big idea comes directly from the text. Right after Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit, this advocate, he says, The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I'm going to say it again. Followers of Jesus see and know the Holy Spirit. And I get that this big idea is in the text. It's not super insightful or some deep thought about the passage. But if I may share a hot take with you. The passage says, The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. I would go as far to say, many people who claim to be Christian in practice cannot accept the Holy Spirit because they neither see him nor know him. You see, there is a disconnect from what we read right here and how we live our lives daily. And maybe that's not a very hard pill to swallow. Many people, especially in in church settings like this, are afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit. You want to know why? I can tell you it's not because we used to call it the Holy Ghost, but it's because there is a ton we don't know about him. If you think you know everything about the Holy Spirit, go read 1 Corinthians and come back to me. There is so much debate regarding the Holy Spirit. People are wrestling on on every side about what their thoughts are, what their beliefs are, and everything that a lot of people can just become paralyzed. There's debate on what the Holy Spirit does and doesn't do, might do, has done, whatever. 
And though I would love to get into the idea of spiritual gifts and all of that, we are going to focus right here, right now, on what we know for certain about the Holy Spirit based on this passage, as well as a couple others. So we'll go number one, the Holy Spirit is an advocate in addition to Christ. We see this in verse 16. Jesus says the Father will give us another advocate to help us. We learn that there are more than one. And with the context of this passage, we know that the advocate is replacing Jesus on earth, meaning Jesus is the original advocate. And this is confirmed in 1 John chapter 2, where we are told that, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Later on in John, uh, Jesus says that, we mu- that he must leave so that the advocate can come and do his work. So the two work independently from each other, yet are accomplishing the same mission and are a part of the same trinity. And we are confirmed of this when Jesus is baptized and the three, all three parts of the Trinity are present, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, when it comes down on him like a dove. So the Holy Spirit is an advocate in addition to Christ. Number two, the Holy Spirit is an advocate to us and not for us. When you think of an advocate, you might think of a lawyer or someone who fights and pleads for you in court. Someone who tries to make a case as to why you are not guilty or you deserve a lesser punishment than what's being proposed. And though this is a correct view of an advocate, it is not the correct view of the advocate. In law, an advocate tries to change other people's minds about you. But in this case, the advocate is changing your mind and your heart about God. And I'll prove it. We see later in this passage, Jesus tells us the advocate will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. In Christian speak or Christianese, we call this sanctification. It's the idea of our lives being changed over time as we become more and more like Jesus. This sanctification comes directly from the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. And it's an amazing thing that happens. But we have to keep in mind this third point if we want to allow that sanctification to take place. Which brings us to number three, the Holy Spirit is not to be silenced. And this is where we need to listen up. And pardon me if I stand here on my soapbox, but we must not quench the Holy Spirit. Not only does 1 Thessalonians 5.18 tell us that word for word, but we also know the world as Jesus tells us, because of their blindness, does not see or believe the Holy Spirit. So if the world is blind, and because of that, they cannot see the Holy Spirit, and paired with what we learned a few weeks ago, and that we can be spiritually blind, we can draw the conclusion that if we become spiritually blind, we can quench, ignore, or silence and not see the Holy Spirit. We, as Christians, have been given this gift, this amazing gift from God. And many of us don't even realize it because we just don't know about it. 
Or alternatively, you've seen videos of, of churches or people screaming or uncontrollably laughing or falling over and just weird things happening and they claim it's the Holy Spirit. And so you might just be turned off to the idea entirely. But the main reason many of us as the church don't use or mention the Holy Spirit is based in uncertainty. Uncertainty in our beliefs. We're not sure what's right, so we just avoid getting it wrong. We just don't even say anything about the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you there is no good biblical argument for that. There is no excuse to just ignore the part of God that you don't understand and just not talk about it. Instead, we ought to yearn for the Holy Spirit to grow closer and to learn more. Because followers of Jesus see and know the Holy Spirit. So, what do we do now? Well, though I'm not going to spoon feed you the answer, I can tell you your next step has to do a lot with where you are in your faith. I would say everyone, check out 1 Corinthians, specifically chapter 12. Read what the gifts of the Spirit are. Pray that the Holy or pray to the Holy Spirit that you might receive them. Maybe pray to the Holy Spirit to receive or to reveal your giftings. And if you think you already have giftings, pray for more. First Corinthians twelve calls us to earnestly desire giftings from the Holy Spirit. Have you ever prayed for the gift of prophecy, teaching, healing, tongues? We talk about those so often as things we don't really know about, but have you ever asked God for them? Ask God to reveal things about those to you. Think about the last time that you prayed for those gifts. And if everything I've said today is total gibberish to you, just know you are welcome and you are in the right place. And we would love to explain more to you about what we just talked about. Talk to your small group leaders. Ask questions. If you're a follower of Jesus, find out what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are. But do not leave without action. Jesus gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit, so use him. We, with his help, just have to find out how. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for revealing your word to us through amazing authors. Lord, I thank you so much for Jesus' life on earth. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will open our hearts and minds so that we can learn more about you, learn more about our giftings, God, so that we can be more like Christ and so that we can help accomplish the aim of the gospel with your help. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, and we hope to see you next week.